everyone, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, the podcast that talks about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. This week, we are talking about KISS. It's episode 77, classic album, Love Gun, and I'm very excited to bring this your way. Joining me on this episode, uh, you know, I didn't reach out to the band. I went out and got the hosts of the excellent Shout It Out Loudcast. Tom and Zeus are here to help me break down Love Gun on its 45th anniversary year. Make sure you check out Shout It Out Loudcast, of course, available wherever podcasts are available, and visit their website, shoutitoutloudcast.com. Before we get to the discussion, I want to remind you that uh, I am on social media. You can find me on Twitter, at Mike's Records, and on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, you can find me at Michael's Record Collection. I encourage you to visit michaelsrecordcollection.com. There's links to everything there, my social media. You can link to the sign-up for my free newsletter. Michael's Record Collection newsletter comes to your email box every week. And there's a link there to my Patreon as well. And you can discover the different levels of support that you can give for as little as $2 a month. You can support independent podcasting, independent newsletter writing. Come on, that's 50 cents a week. If you're not getting that much value out of this show, then I probably should just hang it up. So uh, hopefully you will find it worthwhile to support the show. But if not, continue to enjoy it for free. You can also email me at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com just to say hello provide feedback, to ask questions, whatever. If you have a question for me, I will answer it on the next episode after I receive it. So I'd love to hear from you. All right, with all the housekeeping out of the way, I can't wait to get into our discussion on Kiss's Love Gun. Here we go. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I am really excited to talk some Kiss this week. And if I couldn't get anybody from the band to be on, and let's be honest, I didn't try, the next best thing is having Tom and Zeus from the Shout It Out Loud cast along for the ride. Tom and Zeus, thank you for your time, guys. Wow, Michael, what, that's quite an introduction. Thank you, my <laughs> friend. We're uh, we're excited to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Love talking kiss, as you know. Yeah, we're here to talk about Love Gun. It is uh, 45 years old this year. Before we get to that, I want to talk about your show because one of the things that I've found in um probably five years ago or so is that your love of anything can be enhanced by finding the right podcast, people who love the stuff that you love and listen, listening to them talk about it and get guests on and talk about it. And I like your show a lot. Shout it out loudcast. Tell me about the origin of this show. Yeah, I'll take this one, Tom. This is quite simple. Yeah. Uh, back in 91, I go to Stonehill college. I meet this guy over here. And uh, he lives in the same kind of corridor as I do. And uh, we kind of, everybody's getting into this new thing called alternative music. It wasn't called grunge then. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I think it was Hot in the Shade that got pulled pulled out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy shit, you like Kiss too? <laughs> and then, bing! And then we always got our, we lived together in the same vicinity for four years. We always had our love of music, but we shared that kiss part uh, together Mm -hmm. more so than anybody else there. And then we just continued staying close friends all the way through college, then getting our first jobs and all that stuff. And we always had that connection of kiss. So back even in college, our junior year, we put on the paint. That was 94 before Mm -hmm. they did the reunion. That's right. And, uh, 
we were proud, but I think everyone else is looking at us like, what the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> and uh, then we went to the reunion concert together. And throughout time, we always connected to that kiss conversation. At one point, jokingly, he said, like, we should do something, I think, about a podcast or something. I had no idea what podcasts were. Tom is an avid runner. So he got into podcasts. And then he was telling me, listen to these kiss podcasts. I'm like, people talk about kiss and I could just pick it up and listen to it. I try, I started doing it. And then just as our favorite band says, we said the same thing. We want to do a podcast that we want to listen to. And that's what happened. Yeah. And I, and I remember the conversation exactly. Like Zeus said, we would text all the time making jokes about kiss or lyrics or Paul Stanley or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and all of a sudden it, the conversation is like, this could be an episode on our podcast. And, and the conversation that we started to have was, uh, and this actually was our, our first proper episode was uh, our favorite kiss songs that were never released on a compilation or a greatest hits album. So we just started talking about that. And then one of us said, might've been Zeus said, that'd be a great first episode. I'm like, for what? He's like a podcast. <laughs> I'm like, well, how do we do that? And, and then it just, you know, here we are four years later and we just, we love the band. And it was funny. And the timing was incredible because right as the show launched is kind of when kiss launched the end of the road tour. It was. So, because when we launched the show, kiss was kind of not really on the radar. They weren't really doing anything. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a really weird timing that, okay, ooh, we're going to launch a, a, sh a show and kiss is now in the mainstream news and the rock news with the end of the road tour. Yeah. They're big now. Uh, so four yeah. years you've been doing this. Uh, how many shows have you done? Well, I'm editing and not done yet. <laughs> Episode 186 as we speak. Yep. Uh, we got 33 episodes of the album review crew where we just review different albums from different mm -hmm. artists. We do that once a month. And then uh, we also have uh, three episodes so far of our Zeppelin Chronicles where we're just going through the discography of Zeppelin. And I think we finished Zeppelin 2 a couple months back. That's a, a long-term project. We're not going to finish that fast because mm -hmm. you can't wing a Zeppelin review. Because <laughs> you got to put your time into it because you will get destroyed. So we've been working on those. And we, we, we have a bunch of other things coming up. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at because we're always, uh, what do we say, Tom? I'm like, we're like a shark. We're always moving forward, always moving, <laughs> always growing. We and, uh, yeah we enjoy yeah we love talking music we love talking to each other we love hearing the sound of our own voice sometimes so <laughs> uh, but this has become an outlet for us to talk about all these things so that's what makes the podcasting community so awesome yeah I want to go back to many years before uh, Zeus asked you do you like Kiss <laughs> uh, I think I said it just like that <laughs> <laughs> nice and uh, I Tom we'll start with you what is yeah. your Kiss origin story what when did you first here, Kiss, how did you discover this band? Well, you couldn't have asked me to be on a better episode because Love Gun is my gateway into Kiss. So my origin story is this. So I have a couple of cousins that are older than me. You know, we're probably talking, let's see, 10 years. I think the oldest one, I think they're eight and 10 years older than me. Uh, and they live in, in Southern Maine. Uh, we used to just go up there for the summer. They live in like the beach area. So they, they live there year round. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was five years old. Love King love gun came out in 77. This was summer of 78. I remember this. And I used to just go into the younger of my cousin. I used to go into his room and he had stacks of LPs on the floor. And this was obviously in the, 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 the heyday of amazing album art. 
you know, flipping through. And I remember seeing like Boston debut album, Molly Hatchet, you know, black set, like bad. I didn't even know what I was looking at. I was just looking at amazing artwork. Yeah. And I flipped through and I saw Love Gun. And I said to my cousin, what is that? Th- what is this? Like, this is scary and this is awesome and this is cool. What is this? He goes, oh, that's ki- you could take that. It's Kiss. Like that. So that was always our running joke. It's like, you could just take that. It's Kiss. And I remember I took the album home and my parents, they 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 were really cool, really into music. So they kind of knew who Kiss was because obviously that was the peak of them, 77, 78. Yeah. And I remember playing it and hearing like Gene's voice and just the like the music and like, and then, you know, Phantom of the Park comes out and I was terrified of that movie. I was five years old. Gene, <laughs> I still love Gene, but he always scared me. So Love Gun was the gateway. And it's funny because that, album that i was flipping through the 70 it was it, he had the 77 copy this was summer 78 mm-hmm. i still have that downstairs in my little kiss cave i have it framed it still has the markings when i was five years old i took two pieces of scotch tape and hung it on my wall yeah, um so it's did. yeah so it's it's all about love gun and we talk about this all the time on our show usually where you come into kiss is is that nostalgia you know i know some people think love gun is overrated some people think it's the greatest but for me, it's always going to be my, the most special thing to me as a Kiss fan because that's where I started. Yeah. Do you still have the actual fold-up cardboard love gun? Uh, well, not in, in the, not in the not from that one, uh, but in like subsequent remastered or you know re-releases. I think they did release that that cardboard. I wish I had that original '77 cardboard gun, but I don't have that now. Zeus, same question. What's your origin story for Kiss? Similar to Tom, I. I was one of seven cousins that would always hang out together. I think we're all between four and eight years old in about the heyday of Kiss. All we did is play football, hockey, and fight, and listen to music, and get in trouble, and do stupid things. One of them, the older, I always call my crazy uh, older cousin, Mike. I never forget it. I can remember his room. He had Spirit of 76 on his wall that image is there Mm -hmm. and mike always had like was always the one that pushed i i would learn from because he was the oldest of us so he had kiss next thing you know we're all kiss fans i'm dressing up like kiss for halloween we got the albums i don't know how they ended up in our house i assume our parents bought them (laughs) because at that point i was like four or five years old my brother's Mm -hmm. three years older but we and then everybody was like i'm so-and-so you're so-and-so i'm so-and-so and I was always Peter Chris. Um, so I was into Kiss as a young kid. Stayed with them up until I would say the early 80s. And then I like to say, you know, I, by that point, I'm like seven or eight years old. I outgrew them. They were too, imma- <laughs> they were too immature for a seven or eight year old. Sure they were. <laughs> and then um, right before middle school, I went to visit that same cousin. They moved out to Michigan. And he's playing um, Animized Live. And he's like, this is Cass, you remember? And I'm like that's kiss guy see the big sign i'm like who's who and he's telling me all about it go back home start buying stuff get asylum get animalized start going through i'm like wow ace frailer looks different on the cover of lick it up like that <laughs> does, wow like i you know and i'm starting to discover you have the childhood memories you don't really know a lot of the facts but you remember that nostalgia you had for it mm-hmm. and then afterwards when i got into music again that music discovery you do as a middle schooler till present day today that those bands that you fell in love with 
Kiss was the first one I went right back to again. I started collecting as a, you know, in, in uh, junior high. So I've stayed with Kiss all the way through and saw Tom. And Kiss has always been our kind of like I, our one connecting thing that, you know, the guy that you see over on the hallway and you look at him, he's got a Kiss shirt and you both nod heads like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's our, that's our band. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, it's oh, it's been there throughout my whole life, basically. Yeah. Yep. My origin story with Kiss is I think I'm about five or six years older than you, Tom. And I I recall seeing a Paul Lynn Halloween special. Oh, yeah. That Kiss was on. I had no idea what was going on. I saw these guys in makeup, singing and playing instruments. And I was just, I was mesmerized. I was blown away. I I clocked that their name was Kiss and I loved the songs. And then because it was 70s television and I was a kid, I assumed I'm never going to see this again anywhere because it's TV. And once it's over with, it's gone. There's no TV. There's no DVR. There's no, none of that stuff. There's no on demand. There's no YouTube. There's no YouTube. And, <laughs> YouTube. Um, <laughs> and then I think it was probably six months after that, that my buddy, Scott, I was at his house, you know, you spend the night with your friend. He pulls out this record and it's kiss alive. Mm. And puts it on, and we just listened to that over. We we listened to it through, and I said, "Play it again." And we have to play it again. And we just listened to it all night, and um, and we literally did rock and roll all night. That was my gateway. That was the first record that I got that I asked my parents for. And up until then, I, I had this little Sears stereo all in one unit. And it was, um, you know, my parents buying me KTEL records, you know, stuff mm -hmm. that was top 40 or rock songs that were just kind of compilations. And they're all basically have a minute shaved off of them. So you can throw 20 original hits by the original stars on it and stuff <laughs> like that. Yep. So from that point on, it was I was going forward to Kiss. I started with Kiss Alive. I got, uh, you know, I started to get all the the albums and it was actually years before I went back and heard the first three records and went, this doesn't sound like Firehouse and Strutter and Deuce. What is going on here? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think a lot of us, that's a great way, you know, a, a, a great way to put it is like a lot of us, we talked about this, like Zeus and I, and, you know, we have guests on our show. Sometimes you kind of work your way backwards in the catalog, depending on where you come in. Like I know, like, you know, Love Gun was it for me. And then after that, pretty much every Christmas, you know, birthday or whatever it was, you know, then it, it was, it was alive too. double platinum dynasty, yeah. um, all those. But then you go back 
you start to, you know, go to different friends' houses. And, you know, I remember somebody had the Destroyer 8 track. And I'm like, whoa, this cover is almost better than the Love Gun album cover. What's on this? You know, and you put in, you hear the introduction to Detroit Rock City. And then when you hear those first albums, you know, you're like, this doesn't sound like Detroit Rock City. And this doesn't sound like I Stole Your Love. This band sounds completely different, you know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you start to explore the band and you're like, this is really cool. They do a lot of different things that are, and all of it is different and all of it is cool. And you could still say the same thing about them today like that. I think. Yeah, I think so. What's, yeah. what's interesting is when I went back after I had that little break, the nostalgia I had, it, it usually seems that uh, a lot of people our age is always for the middle albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those middle so three. When I got back and I'm like, Oh, I, I remember what love gun sounds like. I remember the keyboards of Christine 16. And then I got alive because alive, alive, alive. And I'm like, I don't even know any of these songs. How is this the most popular album? I don't know. Because it was before the era where mm-hmm. the kiddies came involved in Kiss. Right. And so I'm like, what is this? They mean alive too, don't they? Because we all remember that image. Yep. But I'm like, alive? Yeah. What is this? So Zeus, your favorite, your favorite member is Peter. Yes. And Tom, I'm not sure I remember who, who yours is. I've been a Gene guy since day one. Yep. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Gene, Gene all the way. And we're Happy recording. We're, I was just going to say, we're recording on his birthday right now, August 25th. That's right. Serendipity. Yep. That's uh, right. I was always an ace guy, but not a cult of ace. Okay. Not, <laughs> not in the ace cult, but I always, I just thought his, his uh, makeup was cooler and his uh, uh, outfit was cooler. I like the smoking guitar. And of course, mm-hmm. I just always was into the guitar heroes when I was a kid. So uh, I gravitated toward Ace. And of course, he ended up being a pretty major screw up for a lot of his uh, <laughs> life. Some would say he still is. But yeah, I, I like Ace. But I'm not one of those that thinks he could do no wrong. Thanks, yeah, I think Michael. I- Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, brother. brother. <laughs> yeah. I think I gravitated to a gene. Um, I have a sister that's four years older than me. Uh, so when I discovered, you know, when I discovered kiss, you know, around five, my sister was, you know, nine or nine or 10, you know, that age. And that was, you know, those, that late seventies and especially the early eighties, like, you know, on TV and then like the advent of cable, that was like a lot of horror stuff. And, you know, my sister being four years old, I mean, like Gene is so scary. The makeup, the, the tongue, the blood, the fire. I'm like, nothing is cooler than this. You know, everybody else is doing cool stuff, but nobody does anything better than Gene. And of course the growl and, you know, the demon, I'm like, this is cool. And I was terrified. My, my mom still laughs about it. She's like, I remember you used to hang up the, the, the poster that came with dynasty of them with the, the four and with Gene with that menacing glare and even the cover of dynasty. I got that album that came out in 79. I got that for Christmas. And I remember, I'm like, this is so cool. I don't want to look at it anymore. Take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He freaked me out a little bit. I will admit to that. Yep. Yep. I just think there was something. And and you guys grew up in the Northeast. I grew up in Ohio. and, And I think in the Midwest, they just, I think it was mandatory that you had to have Kiss Alive, Kiss Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun. It had to be in your record collection. In fact, I had Love Gun on, my first copy of Love Gun was on eight track. Oh, so, wow, nice. <laughs> nice. I wish I still had it, but I don't. Yeah. Um, so here we are. We're here to talk about Love Gun. Uh, this one right here. I've got uh, I've, I've got this in my new vinyl collection. I had an old vinyl collection that bit the dust years ago when I, I went 15 years without a turntable. I've got one recently. This is the Walmart um, special exclusive aqua and uh, what is it? Tangerine aqua splatter. Mm-hmm. 
I also have a more, uh, you might call this a more compact version of Love Gun, <laughs> but this one came out June 30th, 1977 on Casablanca Records, just a tad over 45 years old. The sixth album came between Rock and Roll Over and Alive 2 in the in the chronology, but also uh, if you're just counting studio albums, the next one was Dynasty in 1979. As you mentioned, we're recording this on Gene Simmons' 73rd birthday, so I know you're watching Gene, or you're listening to the podcast, one or the other, you have to be. So happy birthday to you, Gene. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Produced by Kiss and Eddie Kramer, who was a legend. He had done uh, previous work with Kiss, obviously, and he was much in demand after Kiss Alive for every live album that any rock band ever did. The iconic cover you mentioned from Ken Kelly, uh, who also did Destroyer. He just passed away 28 days before this album turned 45. So that's sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was uh, certified platinum by the RIAA. No, it went to number four on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and number two in Japan, number three in Canada, six in Sweden, 13 in Australia and 18 in Germany. And it received two remasterings, one in 97, one in 2014, when it got the deluxe edition treatment with liner notes from Def Leppard vocalist Joe Elliott, uh, had some demos, live rarities and a Gene interview. But I don't know what they did to the 97 remaster. Do you happen to know that? That one, I'm not sure exactly what the what the remaster, what what, what was officially remastered on that. Uh, I'm not, no, that one I'm not sure about. But the deluxe version that you mentioned, that was a nice surprise. I'm just a little bit pissed that for the 45th anniversary, they didn't put some kind of collection like that on vinyl, you know, you know, maybe not a full-blown box set like they're doing with Destroyer, uh, like they do with Destroyer in creatures of the night but i would have liked something a little bit more to celebrate this album including including those demos and some of those outtakes on that uh, deluxe edition i thought it was pretty cool yeah i've been putting off getting destroyers deluxe edition because i want the i want to get the vinyl the double vinyl but i also want the blu-ray i want the mm -hmm. i want to hear the the steven wilson 5.1 surround because steven wilson does phenomenal surround mm -hmm. sound work and uh and I'm I'm mad that I can't just buy that Blu-ray. Yeah, it's but if you buy the whole set, you won't be disappointed. Believe yeah. me, it, it's I'm incredible. Sure. It is incredible. Just yeah. for the inserts, yeah, all the good, all, all the all the goodies, all the fun little in things. It's incredible. It's, it's, a, it's a great collection. Yeah. Every time I buy something like that, I have to buy a shadow box for all the stuff that comes with it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff that comes in that one. Yeah. You're gonna be yeah. impressed. Yeah. 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 All right. So the personnel, obviously, Paul Stanley, vocals, rhythm, guitar. He played the first guitar solo on I Stole Your Love and bass on Love Gun, which I just found that out and it blew me away because I had already written down in my notes uh, about the, the bass part in Love Gun being really cool. Mm -hmm. um, Gene Simmons, vocals, bass, rhythm guitar on Christine 16 and Got Love for Sale, Peter Chris drums and vocals. This was the last album that Peter played on all the songs. Mm hmm. And Ace Fraley, lead guitar, vocals, all guitars, and bass on Shock Me. So uh, there you go. Additional personnel, Eddie Kramer played keyboards on Christine 16, Love Gun, and I Stole Your Love. The backing vocals on Tomorrow and Tonight were Tasha Thomas, Ray Simpson, and Hilda Harris. Mm -hmm. Fun name to say. <laughs> and Jimmy Malin played conga drums on Almost Human. So lots of personnel, but this was... This was sort of the last proper Kiss album in terms of the guys made this record. Yeah, this is kind of the last one that people look at. You know, like you said, the uh, the original four, Peter playing on everything before, you know, the solo albums, before they went 
quote unquote disco with dynasty. Uh, so I think a lot of people look at this as like the last of the, you know, that original six with that classic kiss sound for sure. All right. So let's get into it. This uh, album kicks off with I Stole Your Love, an up-tempo song, perfect opening track. my favorite kiss openers and it just kicks off with that um that intro and paul going all right and uh he also did the first solo as i mentioned and that second solo just really smokes i love the little the little exclamations by paul throughout this album guitar Mm. oh nothing nothing introduces (laughs) a guitar solo better than when somebody says guitar or mama or something to kind of get to let you know the the solo is coming yeah Yeah. uh, incredible incredible opener for sure where do you guys put this amongst their uh their opening tracks have you done i i I may have missed it but have you done an opening tracks uh, show episode of shout out loudcast we did do that yes where did this one slot in oh god do you remember honestly (laughs) i i want to say for me, I got to say it was, I can't imagine it wouldn't be my number one. I know we did this episode quite a while ago, but I, I have to say it's my number one because it's my, I mean, we did, we did a Love Gun album review. People know where this, where I stand with this. So I'm pretty sure I would be shocked if I did not have this as my number one album opener. Yeah, it was Tom. There you go. Oh, Zeus is looking up our stats. There you nice. go. The infamous Excel spreadsheet, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was your number one. It was my, it was my number two. Okay. There you go. What did you have above it, Zeus? The better album opener. Which one? The album. The album that's better than this. Oh, Detroit Rock. Me and Tom have this rival all the time. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm more of a Destroyer guy, and Mm -hmm. uh, I had Detroit Rock City. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with anybody picking Detroit Rock City. So yeah, these are all Kiss albums. So I always try to say, like, when you rank the tenth best Kiss opening track, it still would probably be number twenty five for me. Of all the albums out there. Yeah. So just because it's that low, because this is our favorite band. Mm-hmm. So I have this as number two. So you can imagine how much uh, I like the song. Yeah. yeah. Rankings are always tough. I mean, you just have to, I mean, something has to be first and something can't be first uh, just yeah. by default. So, yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a really strong opener to this album. And then we go into Christine 16, written by Gene Simmons. Uh, I Stole Your Love is written by Paul. And this was a the first single on the album. Christine, 
Reach number 25 on the Hot 100. Uh, number 20 on Cashbox. Does anybody remember Cashbox at all? I remember hearing the name Cashbox, but I don't really remember anything other than hearing the name. I'd be the same, yeah. 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 Piano. Starts off with some piano. This is uh, not a Kiss instrument, but uh, Eddie Kramer <laughs> plays it. And uh, it's an integral part of the song. And uh, it's a creepy song. Uh, you know, when I was a kid... And I was 12 years old listening to the song. You know, 16-year-old girls were, like, much older. That You know, I, I didn't even think about it. But now I go, that spoken word part <laughs> with, uh, I don't usually say things like this to girls your age. And I'm like, wow. Um, yeah, not good. <laughs> that's not, not, not a good look. <laughs> not not good. Uh, yeah, that, that being said, uh, the song is, to me, it's one of the catchiest, hookiest it just shows, you know, and that's one of the things I love about this album. I think for me, you know, I guess I'll save this for the end and we kind of wrap up the album, but there's just so many different things that this album checks off. And there's such a pop sensibility to this song. You know, you get yeah. your ears blown out with I Stole Your Love with Paul, and then you get Gene kind of singing a real poppy, melodic song, very hooky. Obviously, the lyrics are ridiculous and, and horrendous, especially. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. She's been around, but she's young and clean. Yeah, just. Just, is, is she is she has she been around or is she clean <laughs> yeah, i don't I, I like how he says but yeah. she's young like really thanks gene for the clarification <laughs> exactly go ahead i'm sorry to be an interrupt you. no 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 i'm no i'm done nope zeus take it from here you also you also forget that it also got because of you said pop sensibility it also got clipped and sampled in the eighties, that's right. Tone Logs, Funky Cold Medina. That's right. Remember yes. that the, the riff. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And yep. this is the song that I remember. I remember where I was, and where I was. And this was middle school. And I, I tell the story. I think in our first episode, Tom, I say I was in Davis Square at Big Fish, Little Fish, mm -hmm. and WAAF had played it. And I remember Christine. And so when you hear that chorus, and I haven't heard that chorus since I was like five, I'm like, holy. It, it comes right back in. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Yep. This is catchy as hell. Yep. And you go and you gravitate towards it. And, uh, yeah, it's look, everybody remembers when we were growing up and you were in middle school or you were in high school that some of the girls in your class were hanging out with guys that were way past high school level. <laughs> right. And you didn't think anything of it. It's like, oh, yeah. and you're like, oh, that guy's crazy. And he's like picking up high school chicks. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what they were doing back then. Now. You know, <laughs> you're getting cuffed and stuffed. Yeah, we're getting away with that now. Yeah, but, all right, all right, all right. I was just gonna say the Matthew McConaughey McConaughey character in Days of Confused. There's a reason that character is kind of because uh, it was true. It's exactly. true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, this was uh, you. You. I'm glad you brought up the Tone Loke thing. I remember the first time I heard Funky Cold Medina. I went, "That's Christine 16." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. like, I, wasn't, I didn't know you were yeah. allowed to do that back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Like the crazy thing about the that? crazy, the crazy thing about this too, when the single was released, the, the B side was shock me, which is, pro, which is uh, to this day, still the way the band gives the finger to ACE. Like you'll be on the B side to this ridiculous song ACE. <laughs> 
And yeah. how they did it to Peter, too. Exactly. That's right. They put Beth Screw on the backside. Him. Put it yeah. on the backside. Put That's Beth right. on it. Right? That's right. So yeah. what do you want? We put your song on the single. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yep. Man, uh, you you ungrateful. Uh, <laughs> you two ungrateful guys. Yeah. Um, it was uh, according to interviews, uh, Eddie and Alex Van Halen played on the original demo. And Gene, yes. made, Gene made Ace copy Eddie's solo. And Gene played rhythm guitar on this song. Why? Have you guys ever uncovered why he played rhythm guitar on this particular song? No, they like like kind of like the thing with with Paul playing bass on certain songs, and you know e- even moving f- ahead, you know Bruce Kulick did stuff like that, play bass here, the play lead here. I, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was maybe some a, t- a touch that they personally enjoyed themselves, maybe other, but uh, that that happened a lot uh, with a lot of the Kiss stuff they had going on. Mm-hmm. I, I like to blame Bob Ezrin on this because prior oh, yeah. to this, this stuff wasn't happening. As soon as Ezrin came in, I, it's like, yep. oh, let's just bring this guy in. Once they started getting used to other people doing their part in, on a song, then it was just, you know what? Paul's like, ah, I'm, I, this is my demo. You know what? Screw you, and I'll just play the bass. Oh, no problem. <laughs> and then that's what you started seeing. Yep. All of a sudden, there's songs where Eric Carr is playing an instrument like what's going on here aren't you the bass player gene why aren't you playing it (laughs) but to each their own that's what they started getting into these lazy habits yeah and um uh, what are you gonna do i mean it is what it is yeah i love the lead guitar tone on the song though i have to say that's uh the, the guitar tones in general on this album are fantastic well, that's one of the things that stands out for me is is the the Eddie Kramer production. I mean, everybody obviously calls this and rock and roll over the sister albums because the 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 sound, the tone is very similar. Many, many, many people prefer rock and roll over to Love Gun. I'm not going to fight anybody on that, but that Eddie Kramer production, it's just that real raw, kind of dirty garage band sound production that he gets out of Rock and Roll Over and, and Love Gun. And I think that's why most people consider those two albums or their favorites, or at least one of those two their favorites. Yeah. So uh, we went to track three, Got Love for Sale. Gene wrote that one. playing with the channels throughout the album and uh, including here on this song in the intro gene in all his demonic glory is my note on this one and i really like the have love will travel backing vocals on mm. it i uh, myself and uh, our, our buddy steve wright from another fantastic podcast parter than hell we're love gun guys we wave the flag for gut love for sale one of the in my opinion one of the greatest deep cuts in the entire catalog another catchy hooky song that real understated acoustic guitar underlay that you can hear in the middle of a song um the have love will travel kind of backing vocals uh gene sounds great 
just a real underrated song. And I think that's one of the things I like about this album is it's it's a real mix of hits and kind of underrated deep cuts. Yeah. This is definitely one of them for me. Yeah, I'm 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 with you guys. I it's a deep cut. Give, getting a little bit more love as the years go by on this album. Yeah, I I think it's one of those things that I wish they would ever just in the middle of their end of the road tour go. We got a one we haven't pulled out ever. This one's called Gut Love for Sale, and they <laughs> yeah. start playing it live. And I think everybody's head would be blown off. Right? Yep. Agreed. But we never got the chance, and we're never gonna get it. Probably not. No, no. Uh, that was uh, that would be amazing. So we go into Ace's contribution, Shock Me. Ace intended for Gene to sing this, but it ends up being Fraley's first lead vocal. Based on an actual event before a show in Lakeland, Florida, which is not too far from where I live. Uh, one of the great all time great kiss solos, actually one of the great rock and roll solos. And Ace plays everything but the drums on this thing. Mm, yep. Yeah. To me, this is Ace's greatest solo. Uh, I, I know a lot of people will argue about some other some other ones, uh, whether you're talking about the solo from Alive 2 or the studio version solo. To me, it's his greatest solo. It's my personal favorite Ace song. Zeus and I talk about this a lot, about a lot of the Kiss solos, whether it's a Bruce Kulick solo or an Ace solo. They're memorable, they're hummable, and they fit that specific song. It's not just some noodling that you can throw in the middle of a song. Mm -hmm. This is, this is you hear this, this is the Shock Me solo. I think Ace sounds great vocally. I mean, everybody knows Ace might not be known for his voice, mm -hmm. but I think he sounds great here. The solo is off the charts. And I think it's just a, I think it's a great song. For me, I... I I think it's overrated. I think the solo is fine. I think the chorus is ridiculously stupid. Um, Put on your black leather. <laughs> Come on. 
shock me? Sh- oh, Why is oh, it a question mark? He's he's like every time he sings a song now, it always becomes a question mark. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I like the song. The solo is my favorite part. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, everybody's just Ace has got better tr- better songs in the Kiss catalog than this, in yeah. my opinion. But it's still good uh, good song because it's Kiss. Yeah, it's it's funny. It, it's funny. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Michael. Oh, good. It, it, it's funny. We we talk about this a lot. So we're huge Kiss fans, and mm-hmm. we've been doing the show 180 something episodes, and it's to the point now where like everything is overrated because yeah. all like like nothing is under. It's almost like things have come full circle. We're like, remember that song that was underrated? Nah, it's just so overrated. Yeah. Like 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 you know what I mean? Like there's nothing. Nothing's really underrated anymore because. We just love Kiss. And we talk about them constantly. So I can, I mean, shock me is a little different. It's, it's been popular since it came out, but I can see what Zeus is saying. Where it, is it under? Is, is it overrated a little bit? Sure, no, I won't fight that. It's got. It's very Ace cultish. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, shock for... me! Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> <Calm down. laughs> uh, it was number fifty. Uh, the solo was number fifty on Guitar World's one hundred greatest guitar solos. <laughs> nice. It, Ace did all of the vocals lying down because he liked the pressure on his chest when he was singing, which that tracks with Ace, I guess. I think he liked laying down on his back because that's where he was passed out. Hit record. I can't get up. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, Uh, the solo was number 50. uh, Somebody name me 49 better solos than this. I can. I'm sure you can name maybe 20 or 30 better than this, but come on. Yeah. Uh, no respect no respect <laughs> so yeah I, I think i've only heard of one other case of someone doing vocals lying down and that was freddie mercury doing the show go the show must go on oh wow um, okay on innuendo but i mean he was so sick at the time that's mm. he didn't have the strength to, to give that vocal performance standing so wow um, yeah so that was uh that was interesting to find that out about ace uh lying down doing the vocals and and doing mm-hmm. everything but the drums so uh, uh, so a guy dying or i'm just <laughs> messed up i need to pass out poor <laughs> <Wow>. ace <laughs> yeah uh we go into track five ending the first side with tomorrow and tonight Paul Stanley. Ow! Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, this was an attempt to capture that anthemic rock and roll all night energy. It fell a little bit short of that, but it's a catchy song and it's got the most unpaul like lyric in everybody's high when the week is through. Yeah. When are you high, Paul? You gotta love when he talks about drinking and drugging. It. It's <laughs> hilarious. Now, now it's funny what I just said about everything being underrated, overrated, whatever. This song to me, and I think Zeus will agree. This is a little bit underrated. 
I don't think this gets like really like poured over with praise. And I think everybody, and you said it, Michael, and you know, it's true. Yeah. They were trying to reach for that rock and roll night. I think this is a cool song. I think it's a fun mm-hmm. anthemic song. I, I, I don't have a problem with this one at all. I think the song is awesome. Yeah. It's catchy as yeah. all hell. I think the chorus is one of Paul's best. Mm-hmm. I wish they put it out more as like a single promoted on other compilations. It's on a live too, but was it really on right in a concert? It right. wasn't right. Right. And so they threw that on there and everyone's like, oh yeah, well they gave it love. They put it on a live too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, uh, one of the best tracks on the album. I absolutely love this song. And this is what Paul Stanley does better than anyone I know. And that is that catchy hook and that chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, like I said, I said that I think it, it fell a little short of rock and roll all night, but I think it's a heck of a catchy song. And I think it, Oh yeah. It should have been a single. I'm kind of surprised there were only two singles off this album. Yeah. yeah I think well, the chorus is that makes it a little, eh, you know, with the, the, the backing vocals on the chorus a little yeah. sounds. But I mean, if you're if you're going to cut it down for a single length, you can cut some of that, some of the repetitive chorus out. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael, you brought up a good point how there was only two singles off of this. And we talked about this on a previous episode. Uh, and I know the double platinum came out right after Love Gun. But you look at double platinum, 20 tracks, only one song from Love Gun. And it's the title track. So that could have been a product of the fact that Love Gun just came out. Or maybe the band didn't think that the material on Love Gun could keep up with the previous five albums for Double Platinum. So, again, kind of lending itself to some of the reasons why I love Love Gun is some of the stuff flies under the radar, except for those, you know, one or two or maybe even three songs. Yeah, it's a great way to end side one as well. Mm. Um, Let's take a little aside here. You just brought up uh, Double Platinum. Did you in your in your um, research, did you? ever uncover why the band felt the need to re-record uh, to record strutter 78 i think that was because it, because it was 1978 and i think they were looking for something new and of the time because the that original version was so not to us but i think for newer listeners was so dated coming off that 74 debut album recording it was very it was it sounded old i love it i call it i refer to it as disco strutter i love it i think it's really cool Zeus, I know you. We always have a good time talking about Disco Strutter. Yeah, I, I think the original version is very New Yorkish. Mm. No, right? I know. <laughs> yep. Everything he's yeah. got a very accented vocal performance there by Paul, and I think they were looking for a prelude to coming up for Dynasty. Hey, let's yeah. make this version a single. This should have been. And look, Tom and I talk about this all the time. I think there's a part of Paul that always he's got to have the next thing. Like in the, probably in his head, it's like, I really think Strutter should have been a bigger hit. So let's make that the single. Yeah. My song, the single. Mm, yep. and, and he pushes his song again as being the next single because he, in his mind, that first single should have been a bigger hit than it was. Mm. Yep. Okay. Makes sense. We uh, start side two with the title track, Love Gun, written by. Paul Stanley, second single on the album, only made it to number 61 on the Hot 100, which I, I don't know what was going on in 77 other than disco. But I mean, there probably were not 60 better songs that came out at the time. I 
one of the band's iconic classics, obviously. Paul sings this thing in a style that I think it's a little bit underrated how much influence he had. The way he sings the verses, you can hear echoes of that in bands, the hair metal bands of the 80s. You can hear it in Twisted Sister. You can Mm -hmm. hear it in Wasp. I mean, that's that sort of way he sings those those verses had an effect, had an impact. Yeah, I think this is one of those songs we talk about a lot on our show. We use, you know, the term fatigue factor. But I think this fatigue factor on it because to me, I think the song is legendary. It's iconic. It's been played on every single Kiss tour since Love Gun was released as an album. It is one of Paul's most incredible vocal performances. Michael, you brought it up, the tone that he uses during those verses. The the one thing that I don't really like about it is there's really no true guitar solo. There's kind of a guitar outro, Mm -hmm. but there's not really like that patented ace solo that's thrown in the middle of the song. The chorus, hooky, catchy, melodic, again, just they, there's a reason this song is one of like one of those just legendary kiss singles. It's, it's, it's a great freaking song. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about this a lot And one of the things I like is the origin of the song, Yeah, which comes from the blue song, which Zeppelin then took. And it's on one of my favorite Zeppelin songs, how many more times. And then Paul clipped that part of it. And so you can follow that all along. So the Hunter, Albert King, and then you got in the middle of the whole Robert plant going off in the middle of how many more times. And then he said, okay, I'll clip that and I'll make it. You pull the trigger of my love gun. The pre-chorus on this song is what always gets mm. me. No matter how many times I'm fatigued of this, no place for hiding, baby. I love that. It's yep. like him like warning and just telling it like it is. It's become a cliche for us. And we do a kiss podcast. We've seen this band mm. a million times. <laughs> hey, you want to go on the kiss cruise? They're going to play some uh, deep cuts on this cruise. Oh yeah. All right. Love gun. Yeah, that's yep. Exactly. If I take all my like my database on my computer and I just put in love gun, I think it's gonna come up like 50 times. Oh, yeah, it's on everything. Concerts, yep, all the compilations, it's on everything. Mm -hmm. So it it really is hurt by fatigue for me, Mm -hmm. but you can't you can't uh question its uh significance of the band and Paul swears by the song it's the greatest oh song he's ever written these things yep. yep so it's gonna it's got it's got a lot of a lot of spotlight on this song let's mm. say yep yeah, i guess you can call it a deep cut because it wasn't a single huh yeah, <laughs> yeah i guess i guess so yeah <laughs> uh i love the backing vocals where the, they're going yes. very cool very catchy and there's, like you mentioned there's not a, like a, a a solo per se but the little just flourishes that are added are amazing, especially the little the little bridge at the end before they you know sing the chorus for the final time. That awesome. Yep. Um, There's a, the one that. other thing I want to add. Yeah. Listen to the versions from Double Platinum and um Smashes Thrashes. I think it's Smashes Thrashes, although the production is awful. When they come out of the the uh the last chorus, there is no Paul singing Love Gun. It's the chorus and the guitar. Yes. You can hear the guitar ace just going off. And they took out Paul's singing the chorus love gun. And it's just awesome. It sounds better, except that, you know, the whole production on production's a mess on smashes, thrashes, (laughs) but there's a bunch of different little versions of it Mm -hmm. on the different compilations. Find the one that works for you because I think smashes is a better, but the sound Mm. isn't as good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Maybe they, we need a, a remaster of that. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Oh, God. That's one of the... That's <laughs> as one long of, as they don't put the I Love It Loud version of that back on there. <laughs> every 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 remixed song on that is just a disaster. We'll save that for... We'll have us back for Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. We'll talk about that. <laughs> All right. That'll be that'll be several episodes down the uh, down okay. the kiss rabbit hole. Okay. Um, after you come out of Love Gun Side Two, song to Hooligan. Peter Chris enters the picture. Peter and his friend Stan Penridge wrote this. I love this song, even though the lyrics make no sense at all. If you can't even spell your name, but you stayed in school until you were 22, maybe that was a bad life choice. Maybe school wasn't your thing. And all this, uh, this song means that all four members have a lead vocal song on an album for the first time. This is where Zeus and I part ways. Uh, He, he, he's the, he's the Peter guy. He Mm -hmm. loves Everything Peter does, except for this song, and I love it. I think, I mean, lyrically, it, Michael, you said it's ridiculous. It's totally <laughs> ridiculous, but it's got it's got a, a cool kind of groove that w- what what the drums are doing in this. It's got a weird kind of beat, a really unique beat. It's got a really cool little funky solo that Ace does. It's just a unique song. I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's not Baby Driver. It's not Black Diamond. Obviously, it's not, you know, it's not Beth, which Beth. Eh. Uh, I just think it's a unique song. And I th- and for me, I'll say the same thing. There's a couple of songs that we're going to get to. To me, I like Hooligan because it exists nowhere else in the discography. It's on Love Gun. There's, so there's no fatigue. It's one of those songs. If I put my Kiss catalog on shuffle, I'm only going to hear Hooligan from Love Gun. It's not like Zeus said, if he goes into his database and looks up Love Gun, it's going to show up on 50 albums. You're going to hear it 50 times. Hooligan's not on anything. Now, Zeus might say, yeah, that's because it sucks. (laughs) But yeah, the uh, this is I love Peter, but this is just not good. The (laughs) lyrics are just so stupid. (laughs) Hooligan. I mean, it's literally like, let's think of a word that'll work. Let's uh hooligan how about call me a hooligan like dude no one's calling you a hooligan but he says his granny called him a yeah hooligan. that's what he said and <laughs> i've read his book he was one. <laughs> oh, oh yeah he was he was a thug yeah. yeah yeah but it's just not a good song in my opinion he won't go to school again that's because you dropped out of school when you were 22 <laughs> yeah lyrically it's a mess it's it's yeah. a mess <laughs> He went down to the candy store and if he had a nickel he'd buy some more yeah and then people are trying to make it cool by saying oh Who's well, that? He's talking about buying drugs. It's uh, he's just changing yeah. the words. I'm like, I don't even, think he's that sophisticated. I, I literally, yeah, I yeah. literally think 
He yeah. went to go buy a Tootsie Roll and he yeah. didn't have a nickel. I mean, back in back in those days, he probably could have got a Clark bar for a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a throwback. <laughs> uh, I, I just love his vocal on it. I think he just yeah. sells out on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I think this, despite the ridiculous lyrics, I think he just makes me believe it. And and I like the backing vocals. I think I think to make Gene sing backing vocals on this as ridiculous as the lyrics were i mean they put it on the album and exactly yeah. and I, I i can't imagine sitting in that room i mean i i would have thought gene would have been like this is not good enough peter i'm sorry but <laughs> oh, what are we not, doing that's not gene that's <clears throat> paul and yeah. paul's whispering it to everybody else not saying it directly to peter yeah yeah this is yeah, Paul, Paul, Paul's probably like, this is terrible, but put it on so we'll show that Peter's an idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? and, we'll do, and, we'll, and we'll do that again on Psycho Circus when I make him sing, I finally found my way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and, it, you know, no compilations. It, it, it could be a lot of things. It could be Peter Chris gets a writing uh, credit on this. No, 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 we don't. It's on Icons, though, to be fair. Yeah, Icons has that's a everything. box set. Yeah, uh, Icons has, is like a yeah, that's a unique compilation. Yeah, yeah, and it has every song Peter did that in Kiss. So of course, yeah, it's there. yeah. that's an interesting collection. Yeah. All right, let's uh, talk about Almost Human. Gene Simmons. This is a song I have to admit that I did not care for originally, but in the in the build up to this recording, listening to the album over and over, this song really grew on me. I don't know why it just did. Gene's groan at the beginning, I think, is, uh, is yeah. That's, I think that's the sound he made when he found out he ate uh, pot brownies uh, at the post <laughs> at the after show party. Um, uh, uh, conga drums in this song. Um, it's to me. I, I just found so much to like late in the song when you got that just growling, screeching guitar work that. It's almost grunge at the end of this song.
perfectly said, another reason why this album is special to me, another song that you're not going to find anywhere else. And again, Zeus could be like, that's because it sucks. (laughs) I love it because to me, it's, it's one of the most underrated, truly demonic demon tracks. It's creepy. He, the lyrics paint a picture uh, of the, you know, the story he's telling, I think those congas add a little bit of a kind of a mysterious sound to it. The, the, the chorus used to scare the shit out of me when I was a little kid that like that haunting, like I'm almost here. like that, just that haunting thing. And then Michael, you said that, that noisy solo that Ace is, is doing it. It's just a, it's a, just a mess, but it's so cool. And then it comes back, you know, his voice sounds awesome. The song is unique. It's different. And again, it's a song that I'm not going to hear unless I specifically seek it out on Love Gun. Yeah. (laughs) Rebuttal from Zeus. (laughs) Exactly. It's like a debate. It's just one of those things. It's a goofy song and it's okay. I don't think it's bad, but I always joke about it. And we talked about it when we reviewed this album. It's night. Only Kiss could do this song. It's 1977. Can you picture Gene being in the Eagles going, Put aside Hotel California. I've got a song for you. <laughs> this one's called Almost Human. And it's it starts start off with, like, uh. <laughs> like, you know, like, that's why it's almost like you're, you kind of understand Rolling Stone. They're like, okay, Steely Dan's got this new album. Led Zeppelin's got this. And then, now I got Almost Human. Uh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but. But that's why we love Kiss. I know, I know. <laughs> but you almost see where they get this ammunition to not take Kiss seriously. Sometimes oh, yeah. this song is fun, and then he does the, you know, he loves oh, yeah. to do that. Anytime hot comes up in a Kiss catalog, <laughs> any song, Gene's always <laughs> like, it's it's fun. I don't have a problem with it. It's just not one of the better songs in the cat in the Kiss catalog. That's all. Yeah. Another thing that stuck out to me on the, the re-listens was the bass work. I think this is some of the be- mm. best bass work on the album. So, yeah, it, yeah, like I said, I didn't really originally like this song very much. It's kind of grown on me. And maybe for that reason, Tom, that you said, it's it's one of those songs that I didn't play to death, that I didn't hear to death on every compilation, that I didn't hear on the radio, uh, that doesn't maybe come up in my, um, in my shuffle very often. And I was surprised at how much I liked it listening to it uh, in preparation for this, uh, this show. So nice. Almost human, and I'm with you. That the, the, the almost human mm. that that part I I that used to make me cringe a little bit, but I actually kind of liked it now. So <laughs> we go right back to Gene on uh, track nine with Plaster Caster. based on the exploits of Cynthia Albritton, a former groupie who made casts of rock stars dorks. 
Dorks. <laughs> Cynthia sadly died this year on April 21st. So there's mm-hmm. two deaths related to this album this year. I love the bass intro to this song, and it seems a pretty obvious choice of subject matter for Gene because it's, uh, you know, about a penis uh, and about, uh, you know, he's talk gets to talk about his love and how it's uh, perfection and all of that. <laughs> uh, but it's a really catchy song, and I love the backing vocals and the guitar work in this song. Again, you're following up a, a, a heavy, dark, demonic Gene song with another song where his his pop sensibilities are, are, are shining shining through, like with Christine 16. Tremendous song. I mean, an unbelievable hook. The bridge going into the chorus, like you said, the, that, that bass intro. There's so much going on in this song, and all of it, I think, is fantastic. And we, I, you can't, for me personally, I'm sure Zeus will say the same thing. You can't talk about this song without talking about how amazing the MTV Unplugged version of this is. Just it's spectacular. And to me, when a song sounds that good unplugged, that is how you know it's a good song. Maybe you don't like the lyrics. Maybe you don't like the band who's singing it. But you can't deny that this is a well-crafted. It's a pop song, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah. The best song on the album. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It is the best song on this album. It is about as catchy as all hell. And usually those hooks and choruses are Paul's wheelhouse. Yep. Gene hits it out of the park. This is what this is the Gene Beatles side of him comes out Mm. and you can catch it on a lot of tracks that he does. And you're like, wow, this is really that pop sensibility that he has. The chorus is probably one of my favorite choruses. And when they do the outro and the band is screaming back the call and answers they're doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic. There's never a time I don't like hearing this song. It is so. And then when you throw in the whole pop culture reference to it. I think this song should be a, should have been a bigger hit and a bit more love to it shown for the kit in the kiss catalog, because this is very unique. And Mm -hmm. uh, when they pulled it out on unplugged, I was so happy. Yeah. Great version. Uh, Just a, it's such a simple thing to throw in those little faster, faster, you know, Mm -hmm. those little, little flourishes in there, those little vocal backing vocal parts. It's, but to you have to have the thought we should put this in here and then you have to execute it. And that's one of the things that they do so well in some of their songs. They're just such good pop songwriters. I think these guys could have written a ton of songs for other artists that, you know, maybe when, when kiss wasn't cool, they could have probably supplemented some income by just maybe don't write about your penis so much, maybe write about some other <laughs> things and, and use those pop sensibilities. No, I think that, I think that's well said. I think you look at their ability to craft a hooky melodic pop song and yeah, it's always about sex or women or whatever. And I think that's why a lot of people, you know, poo poo kiss like oh, those guys can't write songs. Oh no, they can write songs and they can write them. Well, you just don't like what they're writing about <laughs> yeah. because you can't deny their ability to write, to write songs. I mean, look at their entire catalog lyrically. You might think it's silly or stupid or whatever. But that is that's a pop song through and through, and this is a perfect example of a successful one of that. I mean, it's it's a, rock and roll is is largely about sex, so mm-hmm. uh, you know they're yep. they're following a formula, a path to success that that Gene and Paul had, and you can't deny that they are one of the most successful acts in rock history. Mm-hmm. No Play doubt. this in your car and tell me you don't sing the chorus back to Gene. Yeah, exactly. Everybody or, does. Or when he when the last or last her comes on, you don't wait for that specific part where it changes from faster, faster, mm-hmm. last or last her. Oh, it's just 
it, 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 you, it's one of those things that you know when you like music. It, it, those little tingly things you hear in your ears are like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. It's music. That's right. All right. We're closing the album now with Then She Kissed Me, a cover song, the only cover on the album by a, so- a song originally done by the Crystals, which was co written by the great Phil Spector. And uh, I'm guessing that's Peter on the castanets in this song. I don't I'm going to be on an island here and I'm going to talk about this song for what it is. Obviously, was it necessary? No. Would we have liked to see something else? Maybe, you know, larger than life or rocket ride or all American man could have been on here or take something from Paul soul and put on it. Yeah, of course. It's if, if, if they're going to do something ridiculous like this, cause it is ridiculous. Your kiss, you're on top of the world and you're throwing this on. I like, what they're doing musically, I th- those castanets, and then when the song goes into the the regular standard rock rhythm at the end, the tone of the guitar, yeah, during dur- dur- during the outro of the song, it's really, it's very like harmonic sounding and and, and melodic and, and hooky. Paul sounds amazing vocally, but that being said, it's it, it, it it's not needed. It, it's not needed, but if they're gonna do it. And they did it well, I think, if, the, if it's possible to say that. I think musically, I think it really sounds interesting, uh, especially that outro. I, I think it's pretty cool, but I wish it kind of didn't exist. Zeus, are we getting a rebuttal on this one? No, I mean, I like the song. It's a catchy pop song that mm-hmm. um, do we need it? No, but again, it, it, it's a kiss song. So they put their little spin on it. It's not a bad song. Right. And they don't do a bad version of it, but did they have anything else that they could have pulled out and put on here instead? Yeah, I don't know if this is Paul's like, hey, let's uh, show the critics that we can do a good old-fashioned rock and roll kind of R&B track or something. I don't know why they thought about doing it, but you know, what could they have put on here? Reputation? I know who you are. What Repu- else do they? Reputation's, at, Reputation's actually not a bad song. No, I mean, but, but I'm it's, just but saying, it's a, like, but it's a Gene song. So, yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe this is Paul's way of like, I need to be the balladeer and the romance guy, and mm-hmm. let's throw this song out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't have uh, Gene having three songs to end the album and uh, mm-hmm. and and messing with the balance. I mean, the first song is a Paul song, and Paul sings the final song, so he gets the first say and the last say here. Yep. Uh, I think it's a good song. I enjoy it. The only criticism I have of it really is that it doesn't seem to fit with the other nine songs on this album. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, you, you've just gone through an amazing album. The first one to feature all four uh, members singing vocals, pop songs, heavy songs, you know, whatever. And then you throw this in here. And, you know, as we've come to know Paul, you know, Zeus said it. This is Paul, you know, paying his homage to his roots, which mm-hmm. is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I just find it really curious when you are like sitting on top of the world right now. And maybe, maybe that's exactly why Paul thought he could do it. Hey, we're sitting on top of the world. They'll like anything we do. We can do whatever we want. Exactly. And, and he was, he was right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it would have fit a lot better on his solo album, but um, Mm -hmm. again, I I don't skip it. I, I, I think it's fine. It's catchy. And I do love the guitar tone. It's uh, yeah. It's a little bit of throwback to that older time, but it's still identifiably a Kiss uh, guitar part. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But they couldn't do anything else. There's no way Paul's going to do less songs than Gene on an album. Oh, no. Gene already right. had four. Yep. If you take this away from Paul, he has three. No mm-hmm. way is that happening. No. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe Paul didn't have anything else uh, loaded up and ready to roll that he uh, he liked or something. But uh Man, that's it. That's our walk through Love Gun. I don't know where I. I mean, I know that uh, Tom, this, this holds a very special place for you, Zeus. Do you, I'm not going to pin you down and ask you what number you have it in, but is this is this a top five Kiss album for you? Top ten? Where do you place? So it? for the albums that we have reviewed so far, there's some we haven't yet. I would, I think we haven't done Harder Than Hell, Destroyer, Peter Chris Solo, Lick It Up, Dynasty, Carnival of Souls, and Sonic Boom. We haven't done that. Everything else we've done as far as albums. Tom has this rank number one. Mm-hmm. I have this rank number five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so I already know how you feel about Destroyer. So it's going to slip out of your top five. Yeah, and it could slip <laughs> even more. Because <laughs> there's a couple more albums coming up. But again, this is a Kiss album. Yeah. So yeah. if you put it, maybe it still could be my top 20 albums. Yep. Yeah. Man, uh, this is this has been a lot of fun. I just uh, this is one of the ones that I had on vinyl in my original vinyl collection, and uh, it has a special place for me as well. I would say it's probably probably right around that five, maybe six spot for me. Um, I haven't really actually done the rankings, but I know that I'm I'm a little higher on the two albums prior to this one, and. Um, I probably have a couple uh, odd ones that I that I like that maybe some other Kiss fans don't like. It's not the Elder, but um, <laughs> I do like a lot of the Elder. It's just uh, some of it is a little little too much. Too but, much, uh, yeah. But uh, you know, it's a classic album from a classic era of the band. They are still they're still playing these songs today. Some of them, and, uh, and I know you guys would like to maybe rotate some of those out, but uh, <laughs> it. it I enjoyed seeing some of these songs performed in 96. It's it's actually the only time I got to see the band was after they reformed. Um, and I kind of kind of was angry with the band when um when Peter and Ace were out, I I you know, I gathered the stories and I I understood why they did what they did and but I did not agree with the decision to if you didn't have immediate success to bail on the uh, the idea that you could have other characters in Kiss. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I liked Eric Carr's Fox, uh, and I I thought that 
I, I mean, kind of the Ankh warrior was kind of stupid, but uh, <laughs> it looked but cool, I, but it was kind of weird. Yeah, I, I it, makeup was it was kind of cool, and I thought it was uh, something they could have done if they had stuck with it and just people don't like change. You have to get, you know, you have to get them used to the change. And I don't think that they really gave it a fair shot. And then they took the makeup off and I'll, you know, first they did the fake out with unmasked and, uh, Mm -hmm. and then they really did it. And uh, I just remember seeing those MTV videos. And I I thought to myself, I knew it. I knew Gene was an ugly son of a gun. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, But, but in, in terms of love gun, I think the, the reason, I mean, obviously the, for kiss fans or you know music fans nostalgia carries a lot of weight on where you like an album but even putting the nostalgia aside i think this album just like i said earlier checks off so many boxes for me it's produced by eddie kramer i love his style it's the first one where you get vocals from all four members mm-hmm. for me it's got a great mix of hits you know staples some mid-level mid-level hits and then some truly truly deep deep cuts and it's a gene heavy album so for me when i put all that together it's it's just it's a go-to album but like zoo said it doesn't mean that rock and roll over or harder than hell are amazing in their own right it's just this one is just a little bit more uh for me and i think the nostalgia factor probably pushes it over the top a little bit more yeah one of the better album covers as well i think from Mm -hmm. that from the early years of kiss i just um yep Destroyer's great. This one's great. I I spent hours tracing uh, the rock and roll over cover with. I put paper over it, and I would take yep. it. So I just loved that design. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, whatever the the, the laser shooting out of Ace's eyes, <laughs> whatever those things were. And uh, yeah, I, I think there was a, that was a run of albums where I just I stared at those covers for so many hours as a kid while my Sears stereo dropped the next record and the next <laughs> record. And, yep. and, uh, you know, I looked through the, should I join the kiss army? Should I not join <laughs> the kiss army? That kind of thing. And, yep. and, uh, yeah, it was, it's just, it just brought us so much joy as children. And, mm. um, it, the fact that it still brings us this joy as adults, it's not just nostalgia. It's that the songs are good and they hold up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny trying to tell, kiss fans or or i should say non-kiss fans that you're listening to kiss as an adult i mean i work with people who they they know that i'm a i'm a kiss freak you know that i've been on one cruise i'm going on the second and they always just kind of like chuckle like you know they like they 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 know that i like them but they're like i I don't get it that that (laughs) band with the makeup and the blood and, and i'm like yeah that band but listen use your ears you know yeah. use your ears don't look at them and not use your, the, and you'll be able to tell that they have they have some great stuff yeah it's not it's more than a tongue and some fire mm-hmm. breathing and that kind of thing yeah yep exactly yep. yep tell me guys or tell tell my listeners where folks can find your excellent show where can you be found on the internet i know you practice this you guys do this every- <laughs> <laughs> tom where can people find us yeah there you go uh <laughs> Honestly, uh, so our show is uh, we drop every uh, Saturday, our, our kiss related episodes, uh, and we're on all the big po- podcast platforms out there, wherever you can hear podcasts. Best place, honestly, go to our website, shoutoutloudcast.com. That's got all the information about our show, our episodes, uh, everything. Uh, you know, we have those monthly episodes with our friend Sonny. We do the album review crew where we do non kiss related album reviews. Our most recent one just dropped. We did Y&T, Black Tiger. 
you know, so we rotate those picks every month. So yeah, check us out. Our, our website's the best place. And, uh, you know, please give us a shot. If you like kiss, if you like some comedy and some kind of crazy stuff going on with the band, you, you'll love our show. And we're on all the social media. So you can look for us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, YouTube. Uh, <laughs> but the website's the best place. Shout out loudcast.com. I will recommend that uh, your first listening experience to shout out loudcast. Maybe don't do it in the car when your young children are in the backseat. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. Be care- Be careful. <laughs> be parental careful. guide. Parental guidance suggested. Yeah. There's a. There's a. There's a label. There's a warning label on this uh, podcast <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, Tom and Zeus from the Shouted Out Loudcast. This has been an absolute blast. I knew it would be. Thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed talking Love Gun with you, and uh, we'll 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 have to have you back on to talk some more Kiss down the road. Michael, thank you so much. This has been a blast talking about my all-time favorite album. Thanks so much. Michael, thank you very much. Much appreciated, buddy. We hope you see you soon, bud. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.